Good morning, Venture Church. Great to see all of you here today. Welcome to all those who are joining us online, Facebook or YouTube. We're glad to have you with us as well. If you're watching with us online here today, maybe on vacation or you're snowbird up north, put in your comments where, where you're watching from. It's, it's always fun to go back and see where people were connecting with us from. So we're, we're glad to have you joining us as well. And of course, everybody that's here live, we're thrilled that you're here today as well. What a busy week we had. Two events yesterday. Uh, our children's ministry uh, and family team uh, down at the beach uh, had a wonderful time. What a great day that was. And last night, uh, the guys got together for a stakeout and a wonderful steak, uh, lots of fun, great relationships. So it was uh, a really great evening. Um, Pastor Roger, as you know, is in Nicaragua this week. And uh, he said lots of great things are, are happening there, but he did ask for your prayers. Uh, he, he ate something that is not settling well with him, and so he's dealing with some stomach issues. So uh, do be praying for Roger. I'm sure he's probably preaching this morning, probably preaching again uh, tonight, and then uh, uh, ministering at several of our training centers throughout the country of Nicaragua. So keep him in your prayers. Just to remind you what Maria Fernanda told us just a few moments ago, we will not meet next Sunday here at FSW. So if you arrive here, you will be all by your lonesomes. Okay, the college is closed, so just enjoy, enjoy service online uh, next Sunday. Um, but I will say, it's a special patriotic service. We've actually put a considerable amount of time in planning the service. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, so it, it, uh, make sure that you uh, are there. This week, the U.S. Supreme Court made a major ruling regarding the sanctity of life. Amen. And, and quite frankly, it's a decision that I never thought I would see in my lifetime, as much as we've prayed and, and, uh, and wanted it. Uh, Lord willing, this will lead to a culture of life in, in our country. But uh, it certainly demonstrates the fact that our, our country is divided, uh, very, very much so. And, you know, we need to pray for our country. Proverbs 21, we're in the series in Proverbs. Proverbs 21, 15 says, When justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. And uh, we, see, we see a lot of turmoil in our country right now. And so we just need to pray for a spirit of healing and uh, uh, just for God to bring us uh, together. We need God's favor in our land. Amen? And that's what we're going to talk about today, winning the favor of God. Uh, so far, we're, you know, we're in week four of our study through the book of Proverbs, and uh, we've learned that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and uh, we've, we've looked at the fact that wisdom or a wise person is one who listens. Uh, that's a key characteristic of, of someone wise. They're willing to listen. We've learned the importance of seeking advice. We've, we've, last week, we, we listened to Lady Wisdom as she talked about the dangers of ignoring her advice. Uh, we looked at the four key characters in the book of Proverbs, the simple, the mocker, the fool, and the wise, and uh, explained who all of those uh, individuals are. So this, this summer, we're, as a church family, reading through the book of Proverbs together. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, so one for every day. So just whatever day of the week it is, just read that chapter. You know, if it's the 26th, then read the 26th 
Proverbs, and it's, it's a good way, if you're not in a, in a routine or a habit of reading the Bible on a daily basis, everybody can read at least one proverb a day. I like to say, read a proverb a day for wisdom, and if you need comfort, uh, read a psalm. You know, you know, psalms for comfort, proverbs for wisdom. So, you know, we, I think we all want to make other people happy in our life. Um, you know, we want to live a life that pleases God. Uh, at the same time, though, we probably struggle with all the different people that we try to keep happy in life, right? I mean, we want to keep our spouses happy. We want to keep our kids happy. We want to keep our grandkids happy. We even want to keep our pets happy, right? You know, don't you buy a bunch of stuff to keep little Fifi and, you know, your dog happy? You know, I had to put a, I had to put a fan in the chicken coop to keep my chickens happy because my wife said that they've been squawking at her about they're just too hot, you know? So now we have a fan in the chicken coop just to keep these chickens happy, you know? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. But at the end of the day, um, we want to keep God happy. That should probably be our most important, you know, relationship, right? Now, I think it's important we understand that he is not a tyrant uh, in the sky who gets pleasure out of uh, watching earthlings struggle through life. That's not how God is at all. And, and Instead, he's a good God. He's a loving God. He wants what is best for you. In fact, he wants to bless us. He wants to bless you more than you can possibly imagine. You are his special creation. God created you, and he wants to spend eternity with you. Think of that. And so throughout his word, he's given us simple instructions for how we're to live our lives and how we can live a life that pleases him. Uh, he gave us special instructions. In fact, uh, through supernatural powers, he, he led 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years to compile what you and I now know as the word of God. And so you'll hear me say, if you come to venture for any period of time, you're going to see this, and so I'm just going to do it again. God's mouth is closed. God's mouth is open. God's mouth is closed. God's mouth is open. You say, I want to hear from God. Then you got to get into his word, because this is how God is going to speak to you. Amen? So we'll find that if we simply follow the word of God, if we'll do what he tells us in his written word to do, that we will live a life that pleases God. So today I want to give you five simple characteristics of a person who wins the favor of God. But just before we get into that uh, today, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you this morning. And God, these good folks have come to hear from you today, not from me. Uh, so, Lord, I pray that I would fade into the background, and God, as your word is read, that uh, you would open eyes, ears, and hearts to the truth that you would have us to receive. God, each person will probably hear uh, something a little different, something that's uh, appropriate for their lives. So, God, I pray that uh, everyone would have ears eager to hear. Uh, Father, this morning we lift up to uh, you, our brother Roger, as he is in Nicaragua. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, remove the stomach issue that he's, he seems to be facing and uh, God, give him health, give him strength, Lord, as he's probably preaching this morning and tonight. Uh, God, give him the words to say and, and just give strength to his body to be able to do that, what you've called him to do. I pray that you would make uh, the remainder of the trip successful and effective and productive and uh, God, that you would do a mighty, mighty work there in Nicaragua. And then, Father, we just do rejoice uh, uh, for uh, the decision that was made this week. And God, I pray that you would bring healing to our land. Uh, God, that you would 
uh, you would just supernaturally do a mighty work uh, in, in, in our churches uh, and throughout our land. So God, now we just uh, come before you and pray that in our next few moments you would speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're following along on, our, uh, on the app this morning, here's point number one. A person who wins the favor of God believes and obeys the word of God. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Then you will find favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. God says, you want to find favor with me? You want to be pleasing in my sight? You want to make me happy? Here's what you need to do. He says, you need to keep my commands in your heart. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching. He says, you need to remember what I say. You need to listen to what I say, and you need to remember what I say. You need to listen and internalize it. Inwardly, we internalize the truths of God's words, and as we do, it affects our desires. It affects our motives, the things and the why behind what we do. Externally, it affects our behaviors and our actions. It, it helps us to live a confident, Christ-like life. As we believe and obey the word of God, the text says that we'll win God's favor and earn a good name. Not just in the sight of God, but amongst people. It's a good thing. We should desire to hear the word of God. We should desire to have a good name amongst people, but especially to have a good relationship with God. So as we study the word of God, our lives will change and people will be able to see that we are different. People should be able to tell by our behaviors, our actions, by our words, that we are different, that we are a unique people, that we are a people who love God. That's why the scripture says that God's, if we keep God's commands in our hearts, um, it, it's going to affect everything that we do. It's going to inform, it's going to determine the way we behave, our behaviors and the way we the way we act, the way we live our lives. And he gives a couple promises here. He says, if you'll do this, if you'll, if you'll memorize, if you'll hear, if you'll listen to my word, if you'll put it into practice in your life, if you'll allow it to guide the decisions that you make in life, then there's a couple promises. One, you're going to have a prolonged life. You're going to have a prolonged life. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. It sounds to me like it means if you do what I say to do, you're going to live longer than people who don't do what I say to do. And not only that, you're going to have a prosperous life. I think everybody wants to have prosperity. He said, listen, if you'll believe my word, if you'll, if you'll listen to my teaching, if you'll memorize the word of God. How is it that we resist temptation? What did, what did Solomon's father David say? He said in Psalm 119, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. When you put the word of God into your heart, when you memorize the word of God, it will keep you from sin. So a major part of trusting God is taking God's word at face value. It's reading God's word, believing God's word. Now I realize the fact that you know, there are some parts of this that are not easily understood. There's, there, there's parts of the Bible that can be a little challenging, but you believe it even if you don't understand it, and one day God will open your eyes most likely so that you are able to understand it. So if we're going to live a life that pleases God, we need to believe and obey 
the Word of God. That's why this summer I'm just trying to get you into the habit of reading just one chapter a day uh, if you're not already in the habit of reading God's Word. Number two, you wanna, if you want to win God's favor, you need to trust God even when circumstances don't make sense. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You need to believe that God knows what's best for you even when it doesn't make sense. That the circumstances, the challenges that you face in life, you may not understand why you go through the things that you go through, the things I've been through, but know this, that God has your best interest in mind. He loves you. He's wild about you. Our tendency is to think that we know what's best for us. But did you know that God knows things about you that you don't even know? I mean, how many of you know how many hairs are on your head this morning? Okay, a couple. (laughs) But most of us don't, right? We don't know how many hairs are on our head, yet what did Jesus say? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Think of that. God was counting your hairs when you're combing your hair this morning. Actually, it was subtracting, right? (laughs) That's how much God knows you. If God knows how many hairs are on your head, do you think he knows what you're facing? Do you think he knows what the balance is in your checkbook? Do you think he knows about the relationship with your kids? Do you think he knows about that work situation? Do you think he knows that the result of that test that you're waiting for You think he knows? See, he knows all about these things. He knows all about your health. He knows all about your relationship struggles. He knows the financial challenges that we face. And at the end of the day, what's he say? Trust him. Just trust me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try and figure it out on your own. Just trust me. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. The reality is not everything that happens to you is going to make sense from your perspective. Because you and I all have a limited perspective, don't we? We don't have the ability to see into the future. God does. God can see the past from the, from the future, he, he sees it all. He's not, uh, he's not confounded by time. So there's things that you will never understand, but that God does, and he knows you know, what's going on and what he's doing. You don't have to have all of the questions that we'd like to have answered. Why did this happen to me? I don't know. I don't know why the things that have happened to you have happened to you. It doesn't make sense. I can't, I can't tell you this. What, what could possibly come out of this situation that would be good? I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see, right? Those, you know, I don't have any special red phone in my office that connects me to God, that gives me any kind of insight that you don't have. All I can do is the same thing you can do. Trust God that he has a better perspective and he knows what's going on in my life and in your life. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to lean on my understanding. I'm just going to trust in him. Think of Job. I mean, you talk about a guy who walked with God, a man who really loved God, who, who put God first in every area, a man who, who really tried his absolute best to please God with his life. 
And everything that could possibly go wrong in his life went wrong. At one point, Job was rich, and then Job became poor. Job was blessed with a beautiful, lovely family, boys and girls, a bunch of kids. Now he was left completely bereaved as his kids were all gone. At one point, he had good health. Now he was afflicted and horribly disfigured, had some kind of incurable disease. For years, his wife had stood by him, and now she said, why don't you just curse God and die? Once he was a highly honored person in his community, and now the people viewed him with suspicion. I wonder what he did wrong to deserve that. His integrity was questioned. His friends accused him. You must have done something wrong. At one point, he walked in communion with God, and now it seemed as if God had grown completely silent. Job must have just lived in complete dismay at all that happened in his life because he had no explanation. He didn't have the book of Job in his Bible so he could flip to the end and see what happens, that it all comes back. He couldn't see that. He had to live it on a day-to-day basis. And before he knew that there was going to be a good outcome, what did he say? Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You see, that's the kind of attitude that you and I need to have. Even when we face the difficult challenges in our life, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I will trust the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. I'm going to trust him. Job demonstrated it by his behavior. He trusts God even when it didn't make sense. And clearly, he won the favor of God. Thirdly, a person who pleases God walks by faith wherever God leads. Verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. You know, you can rely on God. People are unreliable, right? You know, I mean, you know, you expect people are going to do what they say they're going to do, but they don't always do that. Circumstances are unreliable. I mean, you know, we think something's going to happen. The weather's unreliable, right? You know, last night it looked like we we're going to have a delusion. It never rained at my house, you know, but they were telling me we we're going to have inches of rain. It didn't happen. Weather's just unreliable. You never know. Financial markets, they're unreliable, right? You know, they're up and down, and one day they're way down, and one day they're way up, and who knows? But here's what I know God is always reliable. Amen? The key to understanding this verse lies in the word acknowledge. That word literally means to know. To know. God wants us to know him, to intimately know him. If you're married, it's kind of like the way you you know your spouse. I mean, you know, there's things about your spouse that you just know. You know, I can go into I can go into a store and I can usually pick out the kind of clothes my wife will like and what she wouldn't like. She would wear this, she wouldn't wear this. We can go to a restaurant and we kind of play this game. You know, we each look at the menu and then I say, "Okay, you're going to order this, this, this." You know, now I'm easy. You're going to order steak, potato, and you know, skip the vegetables, right? No. <laughs> but I can usually know what she's going to order because I know my wife. You know, you can read their face before they even say a word, right? You can just tell by the, by the look in their face whether they're happy or whether they're not. And here's the reality. When you have a close relationship with God, 
you begin to know him. You begin to know what, what he would want you to do and what he wouldn't want you to do. Because here's the reality. You're, you're more willing to follow someone that you know than someone you don't know, right? Think of that. If I said, hey, I want you to follow me somewhere, most of you, because you, you do know me, you probably would go with me. But if somebody on this side of the room that you've never met talked to somebody on this side of the room and said, hey, I want you to follow me, you'd probably be like, mm, I don't know you. I don't think I'm going to follow you. Well, you know what? If we're going to follow God, we need to know God. When you know God, you'll know that he has your best intention in mind, that everything's going to be okay. You can trust him. And the more you know him, the more you'll be able to trust him. And the more you trust him, the more he's going to ask you to do big things. He's going, to, he's going to give you the opportunity to take some big steps of faith at some point in your life if you'll just trust him. God will use you to do significant things. I believe that. But here's the question. Are you allowing God to direct your path this morning? Or are you asking God to follow you on your path? He says a big difference. Big difference between saying, God, I'm going over here, I hope you'll follow me, than saying, God, where do you want me to go? I'll follow you. Are you prayerfully seeking God's wisdom before you make decisions? And this is important. So many people make big decisions in life and they don't even pray about it. They don't ask God to give them any direction in it. Are you willing to obey God if he leads you to do something that may not be consistent with your goals, your desires, your ambitions, your plans, are you willing to obey if he asks you to do something that is completely out of character for you? You want to win the favor of God, you need to be willing to trust and obey what he calls you to do. If you answer yes to these questions, God will lead you to do great things. God will lead you every day of your life. Now, here's what I know. I know that I'm educated beyond my level of obedience, and probably most of us are as well. There are things in the Bible that I know that I should do, and, 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 and I don't consistently do them, right? Even though I know it would be best for me, I don't always do it, right? Because... We just don't always obey God, but we should. And the more we know him, I think the easier it's going to be to do that. Number four, if you want to win the favor of God, humbly admit your limitations. Picking it up in verse seven, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Do not... Be wise in your own eyes. You know, we, we like to think we have all the answers, don't we? We like to think that we've got things kind of figured out. We like to think we're pretty smart, right? But he says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think you've got it all together. Don't think you know more than you really do. It's human nature to think we're smart. I mean, the whole world tells us, you're, oh, you're smart, oh, you graduated from uh, high school, good job, oh, you were summa laude, or whatever it is, you know, I graduated, thank you, Lord. But, you know, you, know, you think you're all smart, and things like this, and God says, you're probably not as smart as you think you are. Don't think yourself wise in your own eyes. Humbly admit your limitations. 
recognize the fact that you need God and that you just aren't all that smart. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know a lot of stuff, right? In fact, the older I get, the dumber I think I get, right? I mean, I don't know if anybody else feels this way, you know, but seriously, I think if, if I were to go back in time 100 years, I'm not sure they would think I was very smart, you know? I like go back 100 years, I go to 1922, you know, I'm back in 1922, you know? I see somebody there, they're talking on one of those phones, they got a box there, and they do this thing, and they spin it, and they talk into the thing that comes out, and I say, hey, you know what? 100 years from now, everybody's going to have a phone in their pocket, and, you, and everybody's just going to be able to communicate with each other. You'll be able to talk all the way around the world wirelessly with a phone in your pocket. They say, oh, really? How's that work? I don't think I'd be able to. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to help them because I don't have a clue how a cell phone works. You know, I have no idea. I wouldn't be able to help them. I couldn't sit down with an engineer and tell them one thing that would help them to design a mobile phone, right? You know, I just wouldn't be able to do it because I, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with the satellite. You know, they would say, well, what's a satellite? You know, I, I couldn't describe a satellite either. I don't know how those things work, you know. If they asked me in 1922 who the next president's going to be, oh, future man, can you tell me who the next president would be after 1922? Anybody? Yeah, okay. It's Coolidge, by the way. And I don't have a clue what Coolidge did. I don't, I don't have a clue of one thing the man accomplished. Here's my point. My point is that we're not as wise as we think we are. And that's okay. I think in humility, we just need to recognize the fact that we need God and we just need to trust him. What did he tell us so far in our past? He said, believe and obey the word of God. He said, trust God even when circumstances in your life don't make sense. Just walk by faith wherever God leads you. Humbly accept your limitations. Recognize the fact that none of us are as smart as we may think we are. And then finally in the passage, what does he say? He said, honor God with your possessions. Proverbs 3, verse 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. You know, part of, part of trusting and believing and honoring God is to let go of that which we think rightfully belongs to us, right? We, we tend to think, well, I worked for it. I went to school. I got the job, you know. I made the money, therefore the money is mine. And yet we forget the fact that God is the one that gave us health. God is the one who ordered our steps. God is the one who has done so many things in our lives. And the reality is you and I are all simply stewards. You and I get, get to use re, God's resources on this earth for a period of time. You know, Hopefully you get to use them for 80, 90, 100 years. That'd be great, right? And we get to use God's resources, but we don't take anything with us, right? We leave every single thing here. We just get to accumulate it, use it, and then we leave it behind. So the reality is it's not ours, really. It's, it's God's. We're just stewards of it. From the earliest of time, God has said that we're to return a portion of that which he gives us to him. You know, we just, we just give it back to him. It, it, it builds into our lives a spirit of, of generosity. Verse 9, we see that giving is required by God. Verse 10, it's rewarded by God. He just wants us to be generous 
givers. And I think that's a great milestone in our life when we, when we learn to walk by faith and we're generous towards God, we're generous towards other people. When we learn to trust God with all of our resources, he then rewards us, he then blesses us with greater resources, you know? In verse 10, he says that our barns will be filled to plenty, our vats will be overflowing with new wine. Basically, he's saying, you know, to, to the level you give, uh, it's going to be given to you. You know, you give in grain, he'll, he'll increase your grain. Give in wine, he'll increase your wine. Give in money, he'll increase your money. You know, but you don't do it in order for that. You do it because you have a heart of love. You do it because you want to be a generous person. You do it because you want to be pleasing to God. And you want him to find favor with your life. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ as a church, as families, as individuals. Our desire should be to live a life that pleases God. Do you consider that at all when you get up in the morning and say, God, what can I do today that would please you? God, how can my life today please you? God, is there something you want me to do? Is there someone you want me to call? Is there something you want me to give? Is there some place you want me to go? I mean, are you living a life that pleases God today? Are you taking his word at face value? Are you, are you reading God's word and saying, I believe it? Maybe the circumstances in your life are causing you to question God. Maybe to question his love and question his character. I hope that's not the case. I hope that you'll see, as Solomon said here in Proverbs, trust God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. Maybe you're here today and you're looking for God to direct your path. Maybe you're young and you're trying to figure out what your vocation should be, what kind of, what, 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 what kind of a job. Maybe, maybe God is laying in your heart to, to go into ministry, and maybe you're praying about that and wondering if you, do, you should do that. Maybe you're 20 years or 25 years into a career and you're beginning to feel that maybe it's time to make a shift, maybe it's time to make a change. And you're like, well, geez, how can I do that? I mean, uh, uh, you know, I've got all this time in, but... You know, maybe God's calling me to do that. I mean, should, should, should I leave this to do that? I mean, you know, where am I at? Maybe you're here today and maybe you've, you've come to the place in life where you reach retirement. What you thought was the, the pinnacle. What you thought was going to be the thing that, you know, this is it, man. I just want to work, 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 work until I get to retirement. And you've gotten to retirement and you're like, well, now what? I mean, there's only so much golf, only so much boating, only so much canasta a person can play you know right until you're like is there something more maybe God is speaking to you about doing something are you willing to say yes if he does if God lays it upon your heart to do something to go somewhere to be a part of something to lead something to give something are you willing to say yes God I'll do it Maybe you're here today and there's a pocket of sin in your life. And maybe over here you're doing 90% of really good stuff, but you've got this area over here. And maybe you kind of treat it like it's a pet sin. Well, that pet sin is like having pet cancer, right? It's eventually going to affect everything. Maybe, maybe God's just saying, you know, why don't you deal with, why don't you deal with this? 
You want to win favor with God? You want to be pleasing to God? You want to make God happy in your life? Do what, do what Solomon said here. Maybe God's leading you to be generous. Maybe, maybe that's an area where, you know, generosity doesn't necessarily characterize your life. That, you know, you're not a joyful giver. Maybe you're a grudging giver. You give because you feel you're obligated to, but it's not because you want to. Maybe, maybe God's saying, I want to see you change your attitude on that. I want, you, I want you to give joyfully. It's more blessed to give than to receive, Jesus said. Maybe he's just calling you to do that. I don't know. I just know in a group this size and with all the people that watch us online, there's a good chance that God's probably tapping somebody that's listening to this message on the shoulder saying, deal with this, fix that, obey me here, listen here, go there, do this. And I don't have the ability to know what it is. That's between you, God, the Holy Spirit, and his word. I just hope you'll listen and obey. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I believe each person who's listened today that's here or joining us online God, I believe we all have a desire to please you with our life. God, we want you to look at our lives and say, well done, good and faithful servant. But God, it's not always easy to live this life and to do what's right. It's not always easy to, well, just be the man of character that Job was, especially when circumstances work against us and when challenges come crashing down in our lives and really causes us to scratch our heads. God, I don't know what folks are dealing with here today. There may be some that are really discouraged. There may be some that are depressed. There may be some that are lacking direction. God, I pray this morning that you would take the blinders from their eyes, that you would tender and soften their heart so that they could even receive what it is you, God, may be saying to them. But God, I pray that each one of us would have a spirit and a willingness to not only believe, but also to obey that which you call us to do. So God, may we bring light to the midst of darkness. May we bring hope to this world that's so broken. God, may we, the church here in East Naples and around the country, may we be that city that sits on a hill and may God, we May we affect the lostness of our community. God, may we live our lives in such a way that we please you in all that we do. Because God, finding your favor is really what it's all about. So Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for all you've done for us in this life. And God, may we go from this place today. Um, and God, may you use us to do great things. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen.